me what we do as baseball people in the offseason, Chris, and um, like so many things, man. Hall yeah. of Fame ballots, award finalists. Uh, I mean, a player died this week. R.I.P. Tommy Hansen. Jose Reyes got arrested. Fun, fun first week of the offseason, right? For the most part. I mean, it's been it's been active. But yeah, Jeez, I've, I've gotten man. the same thing. Like, everyone in my life is asking me, what are you doing now that the season's over? I'm like, the news doesn't stop. The new baseball, baseball never stops. This is the Stew Pod. We also never stop. We are the Yahoo Sports Baseball Podcast. I am Mike Oz. And I'm Chris Swick. So, uh, fun fun week of baseball. I mean, with the exception of, of Tommy Hansen, which uh, is, a, is a pretty pretty sad story. Uh, we're still waiting more details on that, but... Uh, lots, lots of the, in the in the things to talk about world. You know, like we got free agency starting. We got some trades already going on. We got awards finalists all leading up to next week when we have you know MVPs, Cy Youngs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Hall of Fame ballot came out. Like I said, a lot, lots going on. Chris, I, I weighed in all over the uh, the awards finalists, but I'm curious. Uh, was there anything to you that stood out, or anybody that that um, you know should shouldn't be there? Anything that basically offended your your baseball laurels? Uh, I don't think so. I think we've done a pretty good job of narrowing down the finalists. And I think in a lot of these, for a lot of these awards, it's just really close. So you look at, you know, National League Cy Young. I mean, no matter who wins that, I don't think there's a, you can make a big argument either way. And then AL MVP, it's kind of going to be the same. Um, The one thing I did notice is Lorenzo Cain, I think, is the third candidate for AL MVP, which... He has no chance at winning, but it just it makes me go back and look at his numbers and and be like, hey, Lorenzo Cain, he's pretty awesome now. Yeah, so, I feel like that's a nice 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 thing for him, you know. Yeah, so I think it's just more of that, like in a situation where maybe there's a there's a clear cut guy who's not going to win only because his competitors were so much better. It makes me kind of realize how great that guy has been. So Cain yeah. is the Cain's that guy this year. All right. Well, uh, we will have all the news on everything next week, and uh, we have some previews and debates and, and whatnot that Chris and I are going to be working on. So read all that stuff on the stew. Uh, and I think beyond that, this week we are setting up for, for a lot of good stuff. We have uh, Jeff Passon joining us to talk all kinds of stuff about, about free agency. Ten burning questions of uh, free agency, I think, is what we're calling it. Uh, Bad News Ramen, our buddy, stopped by the Three Strikes segment, and me and him ended up talking a lot about the Hall of Fame, so if you're a Hall of Fame person, you may you may enjoy that. Um, Chris uh, and I are going to talk about. I, I mean, I guess it's an important important questions, but I have, I have a story to tell about my kids' Halloween candy, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it at you some baseball terms, Chris. So that's right. what's happening on the show today. I'm excited. Let's do it. All right, here's Jeff Passon joining us to talk about free agency. Hey, 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 what you say? Welcome back to the Stew Pod. Mike Oz and Chris Swick joined by our prestigious, wonderful friend Jeff Hassan. Well, he's my friend. I don't. I don't know about Chris, but um, Chris, I've actually been in Jeff's we're all, car. We're all, we're all. We're all friends. I've been. I've been in your car though, Jeff. So I think that that sets me up higher. <laughs> is, is that the barometer of friends yeah. these days? Whether you've ridden in someone's car? Yeah, I've been in Jeff's car, man. Um, so we're here to talk about free agency. Uh, Jeff wrote like 15 million words this week on. on ranking every single free agent 
on the market, and uh, there, there's so much there to talk about that we wanted to bring you onto the podcast and just ask you a bunch of questions. Um, but I, I first wanted to ask, when doing something of that magnitude, like literally, like how how much ahead do you work on that? Like when do you start that thing? I, I'd like to say I started it weeks ago, but that would be an absolute lie. Uh, I started probably three days before it was done, and you know, you send the list to GMs and scouts and people who are actually going to be spending the money on these guys and see if you've got a, a general sense of what's right and then adjust it accordingly. So uh, it's it's a pain in the ass, but it's a fun pain in the ass. I, I actually enjoy doing this. My wife was like, what are you doing? Are you writing another chapter in the book or something? I'm like, no, not that long, though. Because most people go like, like you know, I don't know, 25 or 40. You're like, man, 192 or 180. What is it, 192, 182? I think 191. Yeah, okay. Like, it's just a insane number of people. But uh, Yeah. Uh, you know what? There's got to be a comprehensive list out there somewhere. And if nobody else is going to do it, damn it, Yahoo Sports is going to be all over it. <laughs> so then, uh, I mean, you kind of talked about how long it takes already. So... Now that your list is compiled, um, I think, as we all know, you're probably getting a lot of comments about it. What, what, who are you getting the most grief about so far? Uh, Chris Davis over Jason yeah. Hayward. Uh, <laughs> no question No question about it, Chris Davis over Jason Hayward. And uh, that was, you know, I had Hayward three and Davis four, and I flip-flopped them a couple of times. But ultimately, uh, to me, it came down to... Chris Davis having elite power. I mean, outside of Giancarlo Stanton, I'm not sure that there's a guy with more legitimate power in baseball right now. And, uh, you know, in this environment where run scoring has been depressed, except for the last two months of the season, where it really kicked up, you know, for the highest levels in seven or eight years, uh, power plays. And power in free agency, especially plays. And and this, you know, this list is not in order of who is going to get the most money because I think in the end, Jason Hayward, because he's 26 years old, is probably going to end up getting paid more than Chris Davis, who's 30. But uh, at the same time, uh, I think ultimately in the end, uh, Davis is probably going to get a higher average annual value and. Uh, Davis is probably going to be uh, more sought after than Hayward. And it's not fantasy baseball, so you're not like, like everybody doesn't need the same thing. So, you know, what's, what to learn about one person isn't necessarily learned to the other, and I think we understand that, and I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think Davis appeals to everyone. I don't know that Hayward does. And a lot of Hayward's value is tied up in his glove, and... Jason Hayward, if you go look at Baseball Info Solutions uh, and, and the number of balls in the, in the zone that were hit to guys last year, uh, Jason Hayward had 190 balls hit to him. And uh, somehow the 190 balls hit to Jason Hayward translated to the second most uh, value among outfielders defensively. And that's, you know, Jason Hayward had 22 defensive runs saved. Uh, Kevin Pillar, who I think everybody agrees plays about as elite a center field as there is. Kevin Pillar, a guy who had 300, you know, 310 or so balls in his zone, 
had 50% as much value as Jason Hayward. And to me, that, that you know, I, I have trouble reconciling that. It's one of my big issues with defensive metrics. And while, you know, while balls to right field, don't get me wrong, they're very important. And, uh, you know, a, a ball that falls can go for a double or even a triple. Uh, at the same time, the volume to me uh, is just a huge factor and something where defensive metrics need to evolve and better reflect uh, what their true value is. Jeff Fasson busting out like real facts on us, like stats just off the top of his head. Not looking at a computer. <laughs> I know. I'm, no, I'm dri- here's the thing. I'm driving right now, and I just switched cell phone companies. And uh, my old company, I used to be able to pull up data and talk at the same time. That's not possible. Anymore, so. And it's not, not safe, like Jeff. Cheap. It's not safe. No, it's, that, that too. <laughs> I'm I'm curious thank you, when thank you're. For, thank you for reminding me that. <laughs> we, when we get down to like 180, right? This is what I'm curious about. Like, I imagine you, you know, with with your with your uh, printed out pages of reference. I imagine you print it all out for some reason, and you have a microscope and De- you're looking at De- numbers. Definitely, definitely not printed out. And and you're. My, and my I want to know how much time you're spending crap. like debating like, huh? Should I rank Dan Ugla above Josh Johnson? Like like, I mean, are you spending like you know half hour on that? No, you know, yeah, yeah, actually, <laughs> probably. Uh, the way I do it is I always start at the top, and I, I you know, I, I see all these names, and I try to put them probably into about five different groupings. And you know who's going to be at the top, and you got a pretty good sense of who's going to be at the bottom. And so I had like 190, you know, like 175 through 191 done fairly early, and I had one through 100 done fairly early. It's that 101 through 169, though, that just kills you. Because the truth is, there's no difference among those guys. They're all going to get minor league deals anyway, and there are going to be some guys who succeed. Like, I went and looked back back last year. My second lowest guy was Franklin Gutierrez, who slugged 620. And so there there will be misses there, certainly. Uh, just guys, you know, Ryan Madsen, a guy who hadn't pitched in three years was in, I think, the 170s last year and comes out. And I think I've got him 36 this year, maybe, somewhere in that neighborhood. So uh, there will be guys at the bottom of the list who I look back on, and I'm like, eesh, whipped on that one. Hey, Jeff, what's your process for international free agents? Are you relying on what you're hearing from people within the game? Are you going off of kind of scouting reports, you, scouting reports you've read? Or how do you put those guys in there? Uh, I will never write about a guy who I haven't personally talked with somebody who's seen it. And I, it's just, it's not that I don't trust the reporters who work internationally. I think a lot of them are very good. Jesse Sanchez is fantastic at his job. Ben Badler is great at his job. There are guys out there who know that scene more than me, but I feel like part of this job these days is knowing who's in Japan and who's in Korea and who's in Cuba. And those are really the three places uh, from which those international free agents come. So you need to have a couple of people uh, at least who have seen them and who can give you uh, honest opinions uh, on them. And they're crapshoots. I mean, I, I think I had, you know, Tsuyoshi Nishioka, uh, like, in the 20s when he was coming over. and He was just an absolute disaster when he was with the Twins. So, uh, the you know, you're going to miss on some of the international guys. But uh, you just need to take their skills and try to translate them as much as you possibly can to the Major League game. And 
you know, even even clubs, even scouts have trouble doing that, and that's why the dollars on them. You know, Young Ho Gong, for example, uh, has probably one of the five best contracts in Major League Baseball right now, as far as club friendliness goes, and uh, it's because people undersold where he was from. Uh, I think we had that same issue with Cuba a few years ago when. Uh, you know, a guy like Yasiel Puig was getting $42 million, and Jorge Soler, $30 million, and Yoana Cespedes is $36 million. Uh, you've got these guys who, frankly, are better than that. And uh, it's just a, a lack of familiar, familiarity and uh, how the unknown uh, simply is, is difficult to gauge. All right, so, Jeff, we're going to uh, ask you some, I don't want to say quick-fire questions, but this is what, what I'm deeming as burning questions, important things that are probably on the top of most people's mind. We're not going, you know, too, too deep with this. Um, but at the same time, I also don't want to make you do predictions, quote-unquote, because I feel like we do way yeah, too many I, predictions. And I, not, just, not just that. They're going to be wrong. Predictions, <laughs> predictions are hard enough already as yeah. it is. But when, when you have 30 teams that can potentially be in on a guy, uh, trying to gauge what they do, especially considering every move in the marketplace – uh, has bearing on another it's just it's falling yeah so we're not doing that but but there are some questions Thank i think you, people are going to be talking about for the next few months so to start us off <clears throat> um who do you think gets the most money and and not really like on a you know broke down like an annual thing but like who whose headline is going to have the most money in it well uh, you know i think the average annual value though has some bearing because there's a chance that Zach Greinke gets paid more per year than any player in baseball history. I think, you know, you certainly can envision a scenario where he's going to get five years and $170 million. $34 million a year would best anything out there. So uh, there's a possibility that that's the case. But in the end, I think the big number will belong to David Price. I think uh, he's going to get over $200 million. I don't know if it's going to be well over 200 but... Uh, I think he definitely cracks that barrier and uh, joins Clayton Kershaw and a handful of hitters of guys who have done that. Uh, who on the market do you think is going to be the most overpaid player? You know, I'm curious to see what Yoannis Cespedes gets uh, and whether teams look at uh, the incredible run that he was on in August with the Mets or look at him in September and October and say, yeah, that's probably more what he is. And frankly, I think it's the latter. Uh, he's a guy who, outside of his rookie year, when he had a 355 on base percentage, uh, has had a 310 on base percentage. And I'm sorry, but you don't go and give $150 million to a guy who gets on base 31% of the time and plays a quarter of the spot. If he is a shortstop and an elite shortstop, or if he is a center fielder, or even if he's a catcher. Maybe you consider doing that. But for a corner outfielder, especially in a marketplace that has Alex Gordon, Justin Upton, Jason Hayward, and other strong corner outfielders, doing that, I think, would be absolutely insane. And that's what he's looking for. He wants a contract in the $150 million range, and there's a chance that he gets it. So, Jeff hates Yona Cespedes. That's what we've learned on the podcast this week. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know how you, I don't know how you reconcile this, Jeff, on the internet when everybody loves him. But, hey, man, your, your opinion. Uh, <laughs> the flip side of that question, I, uh, who I do you think is I, the best I, I bargain have, out there? I have, I have unpopular opinions. I mean, I, I, have <laughs> to, I have to say, I think Jeff might be right. I, I agree with him there. So, I'll, I'll take some of the hate, too. 
No, I, I thank you, Chris. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just messing with Mike, you. Like that's that's what good teammates do. They don't sit there and point out what is going to be hated. They point out what could be correct. <laughs> and instead, <laughs> you're just pulling the. Uh, well, I'm I'm a horrible I, you know, person. I, I should I, I should I should have expected. I should respect. Uh, you're, like, you're like you're like Boss Hog, just a <laughs> mediocre hater. Whoa, hey, we don't we don't need to start busting out haters ball references too early. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm gonna be silky. You could be Boss Hog. <laughs> you could be all bombed out and depleted. That's fine with me. Oh, we, we don't want this whole thing to go sideways just yet. Maybe maybe once we hit like the 30 minute mark, we can we can do that. But um, on the flip side, who do you think is is going to be the best bargain? And and I'm guessing it's not Jonas Cespedes. No, uh, you know, I wonder how much Alex Gordon's going to go for. Uh, I think he's a guy whose skills will age well. Uh, his power is not uh, necessarily a hallmark of his game, but he has good gap power. Uh, I think he keeps in remarkably good shape uh, and is going to be a guy who ages well. And he's got on-base skills. Uh, you know, another guy who I can see being underpaid uh, is a guy I have higher than everybody else, John Jaso, who has not shown a great ability to stay healthy, but when he is, he gets on-base 37 38% of the time, and he crushes right-handed pitching. So I think he could be a guy, especially if he transitions well from uh, catching where he can't be anymore because of concussions to the outfield uh, or to a DH spot. I think there's a lot of value in the bat there that uh, will probably not cost a whole lot. Jeff, which teams do you expect to be the most active? Who are you kind of hearing is in on everybody already? Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting the Giants to go out and spend. The Giants are an interesting team to me because their hallmark has been their pitching. You know, they've, uh, they've just had such a, a tremendously steady pitching staff over the last five years. But Matt Cain's not what he was. And Tim Lincecum, we don't even know if he's going to be back in San Francisco. And so uh, the, the pitching staff uh, in San Francisco needs upgrades. They went hard after John Lester and almost got him last year. And if they don't go and get a David Price or a Zach Granke, or a Jordan Zimmerman or a Johnny Cueto, one of the four big guys, uh, it will surprise me a lot. Uh, they, they've got, you know, uh, contrary to what I think people think, they've got a really good deep lineup. Uh, you know, top to bottom, it's just been one of those lineups that's tough to go through when you got Buster Posey and, and Joe Panic and Hunter Pence, uh, Brandon Belt, you know, guys who are going to... Uh, I. I sometimes hesitate to use this word because it's such a baseball cliche, but guys who take professional at-bats. And those are the kinds of lineups that wear on pitchers and that they don't like pitching to. When you can go one through eight in the National League as strong as the Giants have been able to, uh, I know they got rid of Marlon Bird and Nori Aoki, and that's going to eat into their depth. But Matt Duffy, really good hitter. Brandon Croft stepped up last season. I mean, we can go position by position, and the Giants are strong just about everywhere. Is there a team out there that you think is going to be a, a surprise team that makes a lot of noise in, in free agency? And, and not to say that you know they need to be the Padres and just go out and, and do some <laughs> crazy stuff like we saw last year, but is there a team that maybe you would think is going to make more moves than we might expect? I think the Astros are a team to keep an eye because for years they have been waiting uh, 
until 2016, for instance, to, to really fortify themselves, uh, you know, in what they've done in the minor leagues and, and to use the financial muscle that being in one of the biggest cities in America, they do have. They've, they've had low payrolls for so long now. It is time for them to go out, spend money, and complement uh, the really solid core that they've put together. And so if the Astros go out, get one, maybe two big-name free agents, it would not shock me, please. All right, so let's, let's get down to the, the nitty-gritty here. Who's the first player to sign? Who's going to... Who's going to be the first guy to make that move? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I was actually going through the timeline from last year, right? And, and, and it seemed like last year it was like the, the Sandoval-Ramirez thing because they both hit before Thanksgiving, right? So it was sort of like right after the yep. GM meetings, we, we saw the Red Sox kind of make their moves. So I guess that's kind of what I'm, what I'm expecting or hoping, you know? Like, let's, let's, let's get some big names. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do wonder... Uh, if Darren O'Day is going to be the guy, there's been some buzz about uh, him. Uh, you know, get it, uh, there's been a lot of buzz out there about him here, and and really about him uh, seeking offers at this point. And it's odd because Darren O'Day is probably the best reliever on the market right now. And it's like you know, usually a guy who tries to jump the market is like the second tier type guy, but. Uh, he may try to do that because so many closers are available via trade, and uh, you, know, you don't want to limit yourself that way. Uh, the big question is, is he going to seek AAV and look for $9 million a year over three years, or is he the type of guy who wants to get four years and maybe $32 million uh, and potentially be in a setup role? Uh, there's a lot of money out there in relief pitching right now, and uh, I think Darren O'Day is going to be the guy who takes the most advantage of that. It'll be very interesting to see just how much somebody like him who throws 88 miles per hour from the side can actually get. Seems like he's going to get O-paid, Jeff. He oh. will get capital wow. O-paid. paid That was O-paid. awful, Mike. That was <laughs> it awful. was, right? It was horrible. Darren yeah, O'Day. I, I, to- I totally ignored that with good reason because, <laughs> God, that was terrible. Darren O'Day, so by the way, uh, sounds sounds like he should be a lefty with that name. Yes, he does. He does. Darren O'Day is actually one of the most interesting guys in baseball. Really, really bright guy, and uh, it will uh, it will be nice to see him get paid. He, he always uh, like when good guys get paid, and uh, he's a good guy. Oh, paid. There you go. Use it. Use Mike, it, Jeff. Stop. Use it. Stop. That's going to be our headline. <laughs> It happened once. Like, give it up, man. When something fails for when something fails the first time, you don't double down on it. That's just a bad way to go about it. <laughs> oh man! So, um, the the flip side of that question, you know, it seems like there's always kind of one guy who who lingers for a while. Last year, it was James Shields. Who, who do you think is going to be the the player that's just out there for the longest? And and uh, see, you know, that's tough to say because I don't know who who's going to accept qualifying offers. Because I could see a guy like Ian Kennedy being out there forever. Uh, you know, you've got the Scott Boris factor, uh, and he obviously has no problem uh, keeping free agents out in the marketplace for longer periods of time than others. And you wonder, is somebody really going to give up a first-round draft pick for the, the pleasure of having Ian Kennedy on their staff? Uh, Ian Kennedy, a guy who's been 
you know, a like legitimately a back end starter for for the last few years. And Ian Kennedy's got some good peripherals, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's a guy who's struck out more than a batter inning, I think, uh, a couple straight years now. And uh, he doesn't have dominant stuff, but uh, it tends to play well. At the same time, though, that draft pick really does uh, or really can have an effect on guys. And uh, he would seem to be one who would be in that category. I, I just, you know, I'd go for all the qualifying offer guys, frankly, because. Uh, giving up a draft pick is not an easy thing to do in this environment where getting talent uh, on the free agent market is really inefficient. And I, I know the markets tend to balance themselves out, but right now there's a pretty heavy imbalance uh, toward the amateur side, and you want to get as much money as you can in your international pool. You want to get as much money as you can in your amateur draft pool, and you want to use that before... Uh, the change in the collective bargaining agreement, and we're we're probably going to have a different scenario next year when we're you know potentially staring at an international draft. But uh, right now, to to give up a pick for Ian Kennedy, not an easy thing to do. Jeff, you're a pro at segways. Yeah, that was hit him hit him with the next question, Chris. Hit him with it right now. So you okay. mentioned Kennedy. Um, there's a couple guys out there I was kind of surprised about. Who do you think has the best case for finally accepting? The qualifying offer, and and if I may suggest a name, uh, Mike's favorite outfielder, Colby Rasmus. Yes. What was up with that? Yeah, my dude. Uh, what was up with Colby Rasmus, like being shirtless, or what was <laughs> up with Colby Rasmus getting a qualifying offer? Like, which, which part I, well, of you, what, if, what is I up mean, with Colby if, Rasmus? If you can explain the former, great. But I was asking more about the latter. Uh, you know, he gets a qualifying offer because what's the harm? I don't think there's harm in any qualifying offers being thrown out there. It's a one-year contract. I mean, you guys know the maxim, right? There is no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Because if a guy sucks, you know what? He's gone after the year. Or you can just cut him in the middle of the season. It's all going to be sunk cost anyway. And if you don't get, you know, if you pay Colby Rasmus $16 million, that's, I mean, let's, let's say you can get an outfielder who's comparable for him for $11 million and then for $5 million, best case scenario, are you getting an okay relief pitcher or, or maybe like a, a platoon infielder? I mean, you, you just can't buy a lot for $5 million these days. And so, uh, the upside of potentially getting a draft pick out of that, it, it makes offering the qualifier well worth it for all the teams out there. Uh, I think Rasmus is a guy who could potentially take it. Uh, I think that Kennedy is a guy who could potentially take it. I, I know I've heard Brett Anderson's name a couple of times. Why the hell would Brett Anderson take a qualifying offer? He's coming off a healthy season for the first time in five years. This is when you go out and get your multi-year deal. And it may not be as big as you want it to be because of that qualifying offer, but, uh, man, it, you're running a big risk by not going out and getting it now when you haven't been able to stay healthy. And I know a lot of them have been freak injuries. He had a Tommy John surgery, but uh, in the end, I think Brett Anderson's a guy who could end up getting paid a little more than people expect because, God, when he is healthy, he is really, really good. And I've seen the number four starter thrown on him. He's not a four. If Brett Anderson's healthy, he's a good three. He had a higher ground ball rate last year, I believe, than any starter since PitchFX started tracking. He was a 66.3%. And if you can get a lefty who can strike some guys out and get 66% ground balls, there is a ton of value in that. 
I, I just want to interject and say, Chris, that I resent you um, acting like Colby Rasmus is not wonderful because Colby Rasmus is great. I was just I was surprised by the qualifying offer. That's I'm all. I'm just saying he's he's. I, I would I would I would pay him fifteen million dollars to hang out with me for the year if I could. If I had that much, Mike, money. you would get Mike. You would get tired of Colby Rasmus within three minutes. I'm just <laughs> telling you that right now. Like, like from from afar, seeing a guy walk around shirtless with goggles, drinking beer, sounds great. But Colby Rasmus ain't your style, man. I I could I could, I just want to say, I envision him being like the nanny to my children. I think it would be fun. <laughs> and just like, hey, Colby, go clean the pool, man. Hey, go uh, go change the tire. Hey. Hey, Chris, since you have uh, internet access and I don't right now, can you call uh, Child and Family Services in Fresno, please? I think that's a great idea. <laughs> um, should we get back on track here? <laughs> I'm just, just saying, man. Colby, no, I just, I just, just want to like, keep envisioning Colby Rasmus as Mike Manny. Like, there's, something, there's something very enjoyable about that. Still like in a black suit and like, he's looking like The Undertaker. Um, but also listening to gangster rap really loud, but like 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 really bad gangster rap. I mean, that's just what I imagine he does. I don't know. You I listen to really him, bad uh, gangster rap too, though, so I can't judge. You wouldn't let him vape around your children, though, would you? <laughs> yeah, probably not. No vaping around the kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. All right, that, I'm that bringing it. A, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing. That was it a back. fun aside. Um, <laughs> Jeff, I'm wondering. We we've kind of talked about you know how quick things are going to happen, how long things are going to happen. I'm wondering, since we've seen a lot of um, turnover in, in front offices from from the GMs to, you know, sort of the new hierarchy of, you know, kind of the what would be assistant GMs now being GMs and having their bosses higher up. It just seems like there's a lot of changes going on in front offices. How do you feel like that's going to affect things? Are, are, are we going to see some teams that are more... Um, you know, wanting to quickly come out and make moves, or do you think they're going to want to hang back? Um, will it will it affect things? Well, I mean, let's remember what what was the impetus behind AJ Preller doing what AJ Preller did last year? He inherited a situation that he did not like, and so uh, when you look at Philadelphia with Andy McPhail, uh, when you look at Milwaukee with David Stern. And, you know, you look all around baseball, uh, Seattle with Jerry DePoto. I mean, there there has been a lot of change in front office. And what that change ends up doing is uh, instilling a whole new set of principles and a whole new value basis for, for these teams. And what was appreciated uh, by the past executives probably isn't by the present one. Because you don't generally go out and hire somebody who's exactly like his predecessor. That's just not the way that it works. You know, if you're changing GMs, chances are you want to change them because you want something different. And so uh, I don't think we're going to see a San Diego-like overhaul necessarily, but uh, I think there's going to be quite a bit of movement, whether it's trade-wise or creating going to places you wouldn't expect them because of it. Sounds like Jeff Passon is driving through a tornado or something. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually walking to the terminal. I'm going to mute it while I'm walking. So go ahead and ask your question. <laughs> All right. So uh, Jeff, I think I don't know if Mike has any more than this, but this might be our our final free agent question. Um, which player do you think hurt themselves the most by maybe not considering an an extension last season? Um, I know, you know, there's. Jeff Samarge is not coming off a great year. Some of the Washington guys uh, may have had better offers last season. Is there anyone that stands out to you uh, in that sense? 
I think he hit the nail on the head with Samarja, and I think Ian Desmond is probably right in that conversation as well. You know, Desmond turned down a contract worth uh, more than $100 million. He's not getting that. <laughs> and <laughs> Jeff Samarja Jeff is probably not getting anywhere close to that either. Uh, they've both got qualifying offers attached. That's going to you know limit their market. And that's a, you know that's the rough thing about the qualifying offer. For the truly elite free agent, it's fine. You know, you give up a first round pick for Zach Granke. You'll give up a first round pick for Alex Gordon. You'll give up a first round pick for Jason Hayward. You really going to do that for Ian Desmond or Jeff Samarja, though? In addition to the seventy, eighty plus million dollars they want, makes the calculus difficult. All right, Jeff, again, we're not doing predictions here, but we do want to toss some names at you, and, and I want to hear your best guess on, on where they end up. Um, so we don't need to go in, into great detail unless you really want hold to. On, hold on a second. You just said we're not doing predictions yeah. here, but I want you to predict. No, I didn't. I said I want you to guess. What the hell is the difference? A <laughs> uh, guess. I think a guess, uh, there, there's something in there that says, like, hey, I could be wrong. I'm just guessing. That's a, that, that's inherent in a prediction as well. I, I think I think a prediction carries with it a, a little bit of like, hey, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm going to be right about this. Yeah, this is some legitimate hair splitting by you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, Chris does not have my back at all in this. Podcast. No, I, I, no, I mean, nor I, should he. This is <laughs> you've been ridiculous this entire half hour. <laughs> but I still, I still think we should do it. Despite <laughs> that, so. That's the problem. There you go. Now he's got your back. There we go, Chris. All right. Now we're now we're two on one against the almighty Jeff Pass, and let, let's hit him with it. All right. So first player we have is David Price. Where do you think he's going to wind up? Boston. Uh, your man Alex Gordon, who you've uh, told us how, how much of a bargain he could be. Who gets the bargain? Uh, Chicago Cubs. Okay. Um, Chris, Chris almost got really excited when you were going to say White Sox. If you're going to say White Sox, <laughs> sorry. What about your uh, your most favorite free agent on the market, Yoenis Cespedes? Uh, I think he ends up back with the Mets, actually. Wow. Uh, the man with the, maybe I, the I best the, hair. I, I, Go ahead, Jeff. Best hair? No, best hair. I want to hear where you're going with this. <laughs> one, one of the best hairdos in baseball, Johnny Cueto, and the best Instagram game for sure. Oh man, yes. See, I thought you I thought you were going to be going with Granky there. I know you like the flowing locks. No, I cut I, his hair. Granky cut his hair. Yeah, no, I, I know. Quato has that, much better hair than than Granky. Come on, that's not even a, that's not even. What about, discussion. what about what about what about Quato versus Degrom? Um, I think that that's a little closer. I feel like Degrom Degrom has a little more a little more panache with it than Quato does. Um, I mean that than Granky does. So I think that's a that's a legit matchup, but. I mean, I, I feel like the internet spent two weeks or two weeks ago spent a whole day debating Quato versus Degrom's hair, and that's really not what we need to do they right do. now on the podcast, Jeff. Fair enough. Uh, Arizona. Hmm. And then uh, Chris Davis, your your guy. Oh, that's a tough one. I think Seattle probably. We did. We we uh, let's let's end on Granky. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people might think he's going back to L.A. Do you see that or somewhere else? I. Put money on San Francisco, but I put like fifty cents on it. I think he's the big wild card because he could go to LA or San Francisco. Uh, everyone wants him. He could go to Chicago. 
I don't know that the Cubs are in the market for a big pitcher as much as people think necessarily, but uh, rankings are wild, card. All right, and, and these are not predictions. These are just guesses. These are just guesses. Just guesses. There's a big difference. <laughs> we're, just, we're just talking. We're just having a conversation right here. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, all. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh-huh. You're the worst. <laughs> Chris, do you have any, uh, any questions you want to ask Jeff about anything? About life? Uh, I mean, we already did that before the podcast, but I'll let, I'll let the listeners know that Jeff has changed a tire on a car by himself. Um, Indeed, I some... have. I don't, these days, if I get a flat tire, though, AAA is getting a call immediately. So there you go. That's something I have to do today. And Jeff, Jeff, and Jeff his... has inspired me. Jeff, Jeff in his, in his younger it. days did that. <laughs> Fair enough. In my, poor, in, in my poorer days, I changed my own tires. <laughs> now it's like... Now it's like, eh, uh, I'm 35 years old. I don't want to do this anymore. Jeff, Chris is uh, Chris is going to the winter meetings for the first time coming up. Yeah, uh, both of you guys are going, right? We are, we are both going. Yep. But I'm wondering, I've, I've been before. I, I've <laughs> learned a little bit. Uh, what, what piece of advice would you give him about the winter meetings? Uh, this year in Nashville especially, uh, wear a pedometer. Because at the <laughs> end of the day, you're going to be horrified how much you've lost. I mean, the Opryland Hotel is an absolute monstrosity, and the <laughs> fact that we're having the winter meetings there uh, just puts a hole in my heart. Look forward to it, Chris. There's, yeah, there's a ringing endorsement. I know both of you have really just got me so excited about these. Yeah, the winter meetings are baseball's most overrated thing. <laughs> I mean, there's well, there, there's probably some there's some fun in it, but. Um, for the most there part, is? like, well, I mean, maybe not, maybe not, like from like a, a work standpoint. Um, like, if you're just a baseball fan and you show up and you're like, hey, I can, you know, kind of see some guys hanging out, and that's maybe fun for like an hour. Um, yeah, exactly. But then but after that, you're kind of like, eh, this is not as great as I thought it was. You know what, Nashville? Nashville though is a great city. I, I just don't get to see it, and that's the frustrating part. I'm stuck in that vapid hotel for for the entirety of it and granted i could be working for a living so i'm not going to sit here and complain too much about it but uh those are the four worst days of the year. i'll give you i'll give you one piece of good news for this year jeff we're not going to do a thing where we have to find jeff passon in the pictures like we did last year oh thank you uh, are you going to make me do predictions again no just guesses just guesses just guesses yeah man. just guesses be like hey jeff guess guess where you are in that picture right there <laughs> just guess well, I, I have one goal for my first winter meetings, and that's not to fall into the fountain on national television. So, I, th- yeah, I think that, I think is, that should be your you goal. Squad, squad goals, man. Squad goals. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think our goal then, Jeff, should be to push him into the fountain. Oh. You know what? I like that, Mike. I, I, mean, I, like your, uh, I like your thinking here, but I think we should push you into the fountains for subjecting me to uh, quote-unquote guesses. <laughs> hey, man. You could have pushed me into the fountain for uh, for making you have to deal with opay. Oh, I could have done that too. Pay. Yeah, I'm gonna be saying it. I'm gonna be saying it in Nashville, man. Opay. Someone's getting opay. You know, what? I, I hope I hope you actually write that, and the Yahoo commenters do what the Yahoo commenters do. Well, we, I, let's not even talk about them. They, <laughs> they, they hurt my heart, Jeff. They say mean things to me. <laughs> All right, well, I think we've we've reached buddy. the point of just we need to shut this down. 
because nobody nobody cares. Yeah, I, I actually need to get on a flight. Yeah, go go do that, man. Go uh, go fly off into the wild world of Jeff Hassan, where I have to imagine you're you know pouring over your documents, reading all your guidance reports with your microscope and ranking people like, huh, Dan Ugla. In fact, on him. That's what I meant. <laughs> Dan Ugla, one hundred eighty-four. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Anybody who hasn't seen it, go check out Jeff's uh, free agency list. It is great reading, whether you are sitting on your phone at an airport terminal, maybe going to the bathroom. Um, you, you could literally spend a whole hour just, just pouring through all the information, and, and that's why Jeff does it for you. As he said, it's a, it's a labor of love, and it's for you baseball fans to uh, get as much information as you can. And, of course, follow him on Twitter because he tells us all kinds of wonderful bits of news and, and whatnot. And Facebook, right? You're doing Facebook now? A little bit, trying to. Yeah, yeah. So find him on Facebook, as well as all of us. And uh, thanks, Jeff, for for hanging out with the stew pot a little bit this week. Pleasure is always mine, fellas. Thanks for having me. Hey, 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 hey. What you say? Get this money. If you say, what you gonna do today? Just say, hey, I wanna get paid. Hey, 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 All right, so uh, we are back on the stew pod, and we're doing three strikes. I am Bad News Ramen, and with me is my best friend, Big Mike Oz, typically known as the Arn Anderson to my Ric Flair, and that was my Ric Flair impression as best as I can do. So how you doing, man? You're making fun of me, aren't you? No, I'm not, no Arn Anderson's the man, dude. I actually gave you a uh, – <laughs> Arn Anderson's one of my favorite wrestlers, dude. I mean, come on, dude. You've talked to Ric Flair, so you, you know how big I am on Ric Flair. No, I mean you're trying to, you're trying to like make fun of me in doing the intro. If, if I, my if best I want, friend – if if I wanted if I wanted to make fun of you, I would have been like, and then one night you squashed him. So you guys gotta look that up. It's, it's the Four Horsemen reunion, and that's a that's kind of an inside joke. But poor uh, Arn Anderson got squashed by Eric Bischoff, and I'm going a little bit too inside on my uh, professional wrestling history. So that's, that's just something that you can look up, you know, and we and we can talk about one of these days during the dog days of summer. I'm sure or there's crossover there. It's not in the dog days of summer, dude. I mean, it's like. We think of like a day off as like being in the summer, but right now it's it's the winter that's the the kind of the dog days for you guys when you guys have to try to find stories and stuff. We we never have to. There are no off days in baseball. There's no people, off days. People in ask me all the time, like, what's going on, and like, there's like, what do you do in the off season? Like, dude, there's every day. Like, like let's let's go back to like Monday, which is you know kind of like one of the first days of like first day of the week of of not having any baseball, right? Because you know the World Series ended the week before. We had a player got arrested, a player died, you know, yeah. there's a trade, like there's always something happening in baseball, yeah. man. No off season ever. Not good not good news for Tommy Hansen, no. Jose Reyes or and you had Jose Reyes on, dude. I, I would have like just given the guy a call, like, Hey man, you were on my show. What can, what why are you doing this for? <laughs> um I don't, I, just, I don't have the direct or, line, you know? Yeah, you should have the direct line. No, I always liked it where uh, when people don't know what you do, especially in the media, and uh, they, people would ask me, like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a sports page designer for, you know, this paper. Like, oh, so you do the sports. I'm like, no, I mean, I, you know, the things that you see on the page, I actually do that. And then they think you can, like, oh, hey, can you tell Mike Shanahan the next time you talk to him that, you know, they need to play more of a 3-4 defense? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> dude, sure. Yeah. No, I design pages. And they're like, oh, you do the sports. I'm like, no, I design pages. Now we're going to inside journalism. Well, I mean, I think people need to know. Yeah, this it's just a frustration. The reason why we're so jaded on the podcast is because people don't understand where we're coming from, dude. So ho- hopefully we can hopefully we can change that. Tell and, the people and, tell the people where you're coming from though on these on these three strikes. All right, so strike one, and, and this is, has to do with journalism. So it's another professional segue by myself. Um, yeah, good job. Hey, thanks, man. I, I, I try. So uh, 
they are looking at the heir to uh, Vin Scully's uh, throne, and they're uh, putting in uh, Joe Davis uh, next year. I'm not one of these guys that listen. You know, I, I wasn't a big Chick Hearn fan with the Lakers. I thought the guy sucked. And I'm not one of these guys that are going to like, oh, this guy's done it so long, he's so great. But uh, Vin Scully is a national treasure in terms of when it comes to baseball. When, when Vin Scully, if, if he ever steps down, uh, it's going to be a big blow for, for baseball in general. But you will not find a better play-by-play man than Vin Scully. You, will never, you won't find a better one-man gang, so to speak, in terms of baseball with, with, where you have Vin Scully. Uh, he's kind of like the – he's like the backbone of what baseball – broadcasting is supposed to be so when he's gone next year uh, it's not going to be a good thing i'm, I'm, I'm kind of I, I wouldn't i'm not going to shed a tear but it's going to be a big loss for baseball and i kind of want to are you are you on the vin scully kool-aid or, or are you one of those guys that that goes oh no the guy's overrated oh no i think he's great i mean i think he's he's a, a wonderful wonderful voice for the game i think he makes uh, he makes baseball far more entertaining i like that he always has like a a great anecdote or great fact that that you may not know about someone um you know, just just stories, and I think all that makes the experience a lot a lot better. And maybe that's the journalist in me, but um, you know, I, I do appreciate that part of it. The guy, the guy's a pro. He's no uh, Hawk Harrelson, and uh, and and I mean that in a in a good way. <laughs> if if I have to be, because pretty soon, you, if Vin Scully, Vin Scully steps down, then the next guy you kind of hang your hat on is going to be like a Hawk Harrelson. People are going to say how great he is, and that, that's like two polar opposites. I don't know if they will. <laughs> well, well, people. Well, if you follow like the MLB, or if you listen to the MLB Network and stuff, you know they they go crazy over Hawk, and it's like, come on, dude. I mean, listen, uh, he, he's he's a nice little fad here and there, but uh, you you compare the put the two guys side to side, and and Scully is just like it, nothing says baseball or summer. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not even like a big like when spring training comes out, and then people talk like the smell of the grass, and it's a brand new season. It's like. I know I'm, I know baseball's on, and I, and I know my baseball season is starting, and it's going to be a good season if I hear a Vince Scully game. And I was lucky enough to to hear to hear a lot of them during in certain. Actually, I think when I lived in San Luis Obispo, uh, I heard a lot of Vince Scully, and uh, it was great. I, I, there's no guy better, and uh, it's kind of that they should send this guy off well because he is to me he is baseball. So uh, we will finish that off with strike one. I'm I'm getting all. Getting, getting all, all sentimental, getting dusty yeah, out man, of I'm, here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it, baby. <laughs> so, uh, strike number two uh, is going to be uh, one Bryce Harper, and this goes off of the story that you wrote, where uh, you were kind of saying that Bryce Harper kind of gave a dig to the old uh, Matt Williams regime, where uh, they now kind of have an all-star cast of coaches, where they didn't have that with Matt Williams. They finally have an all-star cast of coaches. Yes. Well, there's a couple things. Then I'm not going to get into one of the commenters that called you a wannabe chump. I'm still trying to figure out uh, what that means. Uh, are you trying to be a chump? Are you a wannabe comma chump? Uh, that's, that's where, you know, you were talking about journalism. It's, it's the theme, this 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 uh, three strikes is, is journalism and, and punctuation. If you want to call him a wannabe chump, it's wannabe comma chump. But he yeah. called you a wannabe chump. Which it means I want to be a chump. You want to be a chump. So I actually some- don't, though. I don't want to be a chump. Well, you're something better then. So I think he kind of gave you a, a backhanded compliment, so I'm still trying to figure that out. I think he just doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I hope so. Well, but basically, he was saying that Matt Williams was a scapegoat. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I, I don't want to dig on this guy. And I was kind of thinking about it the other day uh, when Chris Webber and Don Nelson got into a big old beef. And I was probably seven, I was probably like 18 or 19 or probably in my 20s. I don't know. But they went with Don Nelson over Chris Webber. And I remember sitting there going, like, you always go with the player 
over the coach. If you're going to get rid of one of them, get rid of the coach because the coach is not that good. And I'm thinking that people that kind of are siding with this whole Matt Williams, Bryce Harper debacle or whatever it is, I think the older people in their 40s and 50s are kind of signed with Matt Williams because I, they probably remember Matt Williams when he was great, which he never was, uh, when he was overrated, to, to tell you the truth. Bryce Harper is not overrated. I think Bryce Harper can be overrated, but right now the sky's the limit for this guy. And you go with the player. I mean, support the player. Don't support the the manager. And I'm just kind of I was kind of thinking with Chris Webber, and I remember how mad I was when when they got when the Warriors got rid of Chris Webber, and they it took him 20 years to recover until last year when they won the championship. But I could see how people are kind of turned off by Bryce just because he's a I think he was a young brash kid, and I think he had he had a lot of kind of immaturity problems when he was coming up through baseball. But over the past two years, I, I haven't I, I haven't really seen anything with this with this kid that makes me feel that he's a big headed guy. I think he he put his head head down. I think his numbers have taken off, and I think that anybody that wants to side with a management position over the player, um, you're in big trouble. Especially with a guy like Bryce Harper. I don't I don't think Bryce Harper is going to be the greatest of all time, but he has the opportunity to, to be, and I think you should side with him as, as compared to getting all butthurt about your manager leaving. One thing I'll add there is that I, I don't think that this was as, as contentious of a thing. I mean, as recently as two months ago, Bryce Harper said he, he loved Matt Williams. So um, I, I think if you're going to count through the list of people on the Nats who, who didn't like Matt Williams, like he definitely wasn't number one on the list. Like by all indications, they had a pretty decent relationship. And, you know, maybe that's just sort of, Hey, we're, we work together, so we have to be nice to each other. And, and you know, maybe Bryce Harper's mature enough to do that. And when the guy's gone, he can be like, "Hey, we finally have you know a good staff." Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think people just want to make Bryce Harper a bad guy all the time, and I certainly don't. The people, people kind of get mad at me for that, and I'm like, I'm not saying that that he shouldn't have said whatever he said. Like he has every right to, you know, criticize Matt Williams because Matt Williams, I think, objectively didn't do a good job there. Um, and so I, I mean, I just don't really feel that. Uh, this is a this is a Matt Williams versus Bryce Harper thing so much as it's like a oh yeah like even even Bryce Harper now is saying acknowledging that that Matt Williams um, they're better off without Matt, Matt, Matt Williams let's say that I, I think it's a perception of, of what of how people feel about Bryce Harper oh no, it totally is and people yeah. people put their own opinions into it and say oh well, he's just a young punk and da 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 and I'm like no I mean he's he's really good at what he does and. You know, he in a different generation, people would people would love him the way they love Pete Rose because, like he play, he hustles like like he's super, you know, all out type of player. Um, and people just don't like him because they don't like his haircut and his age and the fact that he was, you know, on the cover of Sports Illustrated at sixteen. Those are the things they hold against him. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of it shows sometimes the stupidity of the of of mass market, whether it's, it's people, the consumers and, and the, and the producers of, of news, you know, everybody, you know, you, you talk about a guy like Michael Jordan, right. And, and people kind of kept it quiet. I, th- I think Michael Jordan this in this day and age would have gone through the same growing pains as Bryce Harper has. I mean, everybody put Michael Jordan on a pedestal when he was coming out, but everybody, you hear all the stories now about how competitive he was, how much of a jerk of a, of a teammate he was. And then they actually lauded him for it when he actually won all these championships. So, what I'm saying is that Bryce Harper is once in a 
he's not once in a generation generational player, but there's about four or five guys in baseball right now that are transcendent players that you can build a team around. They can be your cornerstone. And Bryce Harper is definitely one of those guys. And, and what I'm saying is like, listen, nationals, if you want this guy to, if you want this guy to stay and, and even the fans, if you want him to stay and, and build around and be one of those players that can play for you guys for the next 10, 15, 20 years and have a hall, hall of fame career, treat him right. And give, give him a little bit of leeway. I, I'm not going to say, you know, if, if he does something wrong, just say, oh, don't worry about it. But give the guy a break. I mean, it's like he's he's <laughs> he's matured a lot in the past two years. And don't mess up a good thing because I, I point back to those Warriors. When, when they lost Chris Webber, it was 15, 20 years of futility. And, and as a Warriors fan, it, it sucked. So uh, you guys have a good guy to build around and just be quiet and enjoy the ride. What's our what's our third strike, sir? Third strike. Oh, there's, you're not going to say anything. You're supposed to be my hat man. You're supposed to be like you know that's a that's a good point. Oh wow, man, that, you you that, nailed that, it with that with that Chris Webber comparison. Yeah, boy, <laughs> that, that's a deep pull. Yeah, Terminator X. Okay, so uh, last one is um, I'm going to talk about how bad uh, the Hall of Fame uh, ballot is this year, and even the players coming back. I, I'm going to say and. and Ken Griffey is kind of my, my Bret Hart of professional wrestling. I mean, I, I never liked Bret Hart, but I respect him. But I'm not a big fan of his. Ken Griffey is the same way. When when everybody was was geeking over Ken Griffey's uh, rookie card and had his, had, had the po- yeah, I mean, look at you. I mean, you like you you love this guy. Yeah, I've Griffey's never been a man. big Ken Griffey Jr. fan. I, I think you know what what killed it for me was uh, Little Big League. Was that the movie where he came across as a big time jerk to that poor little uh, yeah, yeah, kid manager? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that sealed that sealed the final nail in the coffin for me with Ken Griffey. Now, I mean, listen, Griffey Griffey was. Griffey was great. Uh, the backwards hat, you know, during the home run derby and stuff. There's, there's so many iconic things that this guy did. I just never really been a fan of his. Uh, he's definitely a first time hall of famer. I, I think if he doesn't get hurt in Cincinnati for, for five, his last five or 10 years of his career, I think you're looking at one of the all time leaders in all numbers categories, which is hard for me to say that's dom- since it's dominated by Yankees. But, uh, Ken Griffey jr. Is definitely in. Um, if, if you want to show some love for Ken Griffey Jr. and, and share a story, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get into a Ken Griffey Jr. debate with you. No, no, no. I just think I, you're, you're the. I think it's interesting that you're going to be the guy who, who doesn't like Ken Griffey Jr. Like everybody likes Ken Griffey Jr. It's, it's, it's. He's like pizza, man. Like, like, how do you not like Ken Griffey Jr.? Well, I, I respect Ken Griffey Jr. I I just never been a big fan of his. I I think well, that's fine. Yeah, I'm not saying you'd be a fan of his. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm a I'm I'm a guy. I, I like I like five tool players, and I think in order for you to be a, I mean, my perfect player is a guy that can hit. Uh, let's say like Albert Pujols when he first started his career, right? Like 300 and you know a 330 average, uh, 200 plus hits. 35 plus home runs, 100 plus RBIs, 100 plus runs. So those are the numbers that I really look at. And I, you know, looking back at Griffey, um, you know, he he had all of it, but it's just I, I like guys that are just like I don't know, I don't know what to say. Maybe it's his talent that maybe he was too talented for me. Yeah, I guess where he made everything look easy, and and maybe he didn't have. I mean, I'm, I'm a big hits guy, so if, if you have 200 plus hits a year, I'm like I'm your biggest fanboy, but. Um, I respect the guy, but I'm, I'm just not a big fan of his. And I kind of want to go real fast, and, and we can do some word association, and it's, it's either going to be a yes or a no. But I kind of wanted to, to see uh, who, you, what you thought of this, of this ballot of whether they deserve to be in. Uh, Jim Edmonds. Whether they deserve to be in or whether they're going to get in this year. Whether, whether they deserve to be in. Okay. Um, I, I say Jim Edmonds, no, just based on the fact of so many 
like like Tim Raines isn't in, so if Tim Raines isn't in. I don't think Jim Edmonds should be in. Yeah, I mean, Jim Edmonds was a was a fun player to watch, but yeah, same same type of thing. I mean, great fielder, but I, I don't think they really kind of look at fielding for outfielders too much as they do with the shortstop. So yeah, uh, Trevor Hoffman. Yes. Yeah, all, all the way, and uh, just just based alone of, of him coming out to Hell's Bells, he he deserves to get in. So uh, Billy Wagner. Uh, I don't I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, no way in hell for that guy either. Uh, Garrett Anderson. No. No. Troy Gloss. No. Mike Sweeney. No. David Eckstein. No. Mike Hampton. <laughs> any, Mike, any other, Mike, if you're going to write me the edge, it's going to be no. Mike Hampton. Mike no. Hampton's laughable, dude. I, I mean, <laughs> Mike Hampton. Really? Jason Kendall. Jason Kendall. <laughs> Jason Kendall be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Randy Wynn. Okay. So, so here's, here's the guys that are eligible, and, and this is where it kind of, kind of comes in a little bit. So, uh, Mike Piazza. Yes. Oh, we're yeah. going to do the whole list. All right. I got yeah, yeah, to get yeah. ready here. All right. I, I, Mike I, Piazza, I got yeah. it, dude. I, I got you, baby. Don't worry about it. So Mike Piazza, yeah, definitely deserves it. Even though he's a punk, he deserves to get in. Uh, kind of like the same feeling that I have with Ken Griffey Jr. getting in. I don't like either one of those guys, but yeah. Uh, Jeff Bagwell. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. I, I think, Je- Je- I don't know, dude. Well, uh, Biggio got in, right? Yes. Okay. Well, if you get Biggio, you, you should probably get Bagwell. And I just, I'm just not a big fan of his. And, I, and I'm kind of worried about certain things that might have been taken with him. Um, yeah, you're one of Tim those people. Come on. Uh, Tim Raines, yeah. Tim Raines. So I think if Tim Raines gets in, then I think, you know, that makes a better case for Jim Edmonds. But Raines is above him. Well, uh, we even got some, we either got some other guys who I think are even before, yeah. we're, if we're outfielders we're talking about before we even get to Edmonds, you know. Vladimir Guerrero. <laughs> to be well, I'm talking about. like, you know, like Larry Walker and Gary Sheffield. Like those guys are on the ballot too, you know. And, and yeah. I would say they probably compare – Okay, Close so that, yeah, so Larry Walker and Gary Sheffield, uh, and even Fred McGriff. I think those three guys. Uh, before you put Tim Raines in, you have to put those three guys in, and I, I think that's why you're kind of. I think that's kind of why people kind of go back and forth with it because they're different type of players. But uh, McGriff for for a while was was one of the most dominant hitters, home run hitters in baseball. So and he carried teams on his back. So um, so we got those. So what do you think about Fred McGriff? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. He had that commercial though, remember where Crime Dog? Or the oh the yeah, yeah. The one the one where they show kids how to play Tom uh, how to field and stuff yeah, and everything. Yeah, that, and, that's and good. Hit. He'll he'll be in the Hall of Fame of baseball commercials. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh well that that's questionable. Okay, so here where it gets <laughs> here's where it gets fun. Uh Kurt Schilling. Yes. Yeah, Kurt Schilling gets in. I, I think just postseason alone he gets in. Yeah. Uh Roger freaking Clemens. Yes. Uh, uh I don't know. <laughs> I'm 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 an inclusive Hall of Fame person. Oh, like, okay, so 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 Barry Bonds yes. season two. Okay, yeah. well, what Pete Rose deserves to be in as well. Uh if Pete if Pete Rose were to me, if Pete Rose were uh, in baseball, yes. Okay. Like that's two different questions. Like like is he is he allowed back in baseball, and then if so, should he be in the Hall of Fame? And okay. if he's allowed back in baseball, then yes, he should be in the Hall of Fame. If, if uh, I, I think if if you allow a guy like uh. Ty Cobb who almost killed a lady in the stands and he's in the Hall of Fame and Pete Rose isn't I think you're kind of there's, some, there's something to it right and, and I don't know is, is Shoeless Joe Jackson and is he in the Hall of Fame no he's he's banned like uh, yeah like Pete Rose that, that's, a, that's a travesty right there and, and we're going to get into movies later on so um, not today but somewhere <laughs> different, different somewhere day time. Uh, Lee Smith is a no no right Edgar Martinez uh, I, I, would, I, I, has, I, I think Edgar there's a I don't think he will maybe necessarily but I think there's a good case 
I, I think Edgar Martinez should be. I, I think he's probably the. I mean, you look at it. You look at his numbers. His numbers are there. Uh, the only, the only knock, knock against him is that he was a uh, he was a designated hitter for most of the time. But in, in terms of pure hitting, that I don't think there was there was a three or four year span that nobody was better than that guy. And uh, he was kind of the forgotten guy of those of those uh, roided up uh, Seattle Mariner teams. So yeah, I, th- I think he should get in. Yeah. Uh, Alan Trammell. Yes. Uh, no. Yeah, man. <laughs> now screw Alan Trammell. <laughs> his, his numbers. His numbers compare favorably. I like the I like the the Hall of Fame stat Jaws by by Jay Jaffe, uh-huh. which uh, it, it sort of tries to put everything and in, in boils it down into one, and then compares it to uh, people who are in the Hall of Fame. Like like what is the what is the average value of a Hall of Fame player versus uh, or the, at that position? And well, he, and Trammell like is is better uh, than the average Hall of Famer at his position. He's like a poor man poor man's Robin Yunt though, right? And I think Yunt's like one of those guys that you know. What was a gamer and, and got in because of that, and I have no problem with Robin Yount or Yount. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but he, he's like a poor man, poor man's Robin Yount, dude. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would say no. Uh, Mike Messina. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, he's he's right on the fringe for me. Uh, I, I kind of feel like if you let Schilling in, you almost have to let Messina in. Um, you know, because he has a lot more wins, and you know that matters to people. Um, a lot of the other numbers are, are pretty similar. Um, so I, I'm a I'm a huge Yankees fan, right? Yeah. And I would say no to Mike Messina. I, I think I, I just think he's one. I mean, same thing with like a guy like Vladimir Guerrero, like great player during his time, but just didn't do enough overall. And I think he was more. I think Messina was more product of the machine than any yeah. terms of greatness he, that he was. So he's one of those guys that doesn't. Uh, he doesn't pass my knee jerk test. Yeah. And then when you look at the numbers, you're like, well, maybe. Well, I, th- I think the knee-jerk test is, is the first is the first one, right? If you have to kind of look at numbers and say, well, maybe, then it's probably a no for me. Um, Jeff Kent, uh, no. good old Jeff Kent. <laughs> no. Well, I, he, he had some good commercials too, so he's definitely in the Commercial <laughs> Hall of Fame. And uh, I, I, I'm still waiting for him to kind of do a, 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 a truck commercial. So, um, you know, and maybe like a knee commercial or whatever with the trucks and the knees, and he did something where he busts his knee up and he was trying to say he was washing his car or something like that. So uh, good old Jeff Kent. Good old Jeff Kent, man. Yeah. Uh, your, your boy, Mark McGuire. No, definite. No, but so even with your all inclusive stuff and everything, his, his numbers just don't, don't match up, huh? No, like he, I mean, as much as we think of him as being sort of a, you know, all this stuff, like the rest of his, the rest of his career is, is pretty unspectacular. I mean, obviously he hit the home runs, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying no, just because of his, because I don't think. Ster- I think steroids. I don't know. I'm, I'm still out on steroids. I'm, I'm generally not going to put a guy that I know is running and totally change his career around because of that. McGuire's kind of a different case because he started his career doing that and he just kept on going all the way through. Um, it's a no for me, but I, th- I think in terms of when you think of power hitters and you think of the '90s and stuff, Mark McGuire deserves to be in just on that. Uh, as compared to Sammy Sosa, who I would say no to, but um, Sammy's one of those guys that. Royds took over and his career took off. Same thing with, you know, Barry Bonds is a, is a special. I think Barry Bonds gets in before uh, his steroids. I think Barry Bonds, if he followed the same career path, he would have been the top one of the top twenty-five players of all time. Um, but that just kind of shows the stupidity of Barry Bonds. But uh, I'll, just, I'll just give you this on on McGuire. So McGuire's career war um, is like Alan Trammell has more career, better career war than Mark McGuire. Uh, Edgar Martinez, like Jeff Bagwell, smokes him in in career war. So, 
you know, we, we see the home runs with McGuire, but like, that's really all he was. Like, he was a big home run hitter, and I, that's why I wouldn't put him. So, in. so if you were picking a team, you'd pick Alan Trammell over Mark McGuire? Uh, probably. You would. You, you're, you're picking it. Your, your life depends on it. You're, you're picking a baseball team. And you pick it. You pick. Well, who else is available to me? Like, can can I do I pick do I t- pick Jeff Bagwell at first base? No, it's it's the la- it's it's the last pick. It's it's the last two guys. Poor Alan Trammell's in there, like kind of kind of looking around. <laughs> it's not the Hall Mark, of Fame, though. You're talking you're talking like. No, I'm, I'm talking I'm talking. If, if you would pick you if you were picking a team, you would pick Alan Trammell over uh, Mark McGuire. Depends depends on the context it, of picking a team. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. You're you're, you're starting to pick up. You're 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 going to play outside. You're you're you have you, you have. All these great players come back to life, and and you have, and it's down to the last pick and the last two players available are Mark McGuire and Alan Trammell. Who do you pick? Well, I don't like Mark McGuire, so I pick Alan Trammell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there, there's a little bit of history with that, kid. So yeah, one day I'll tell you my Mark McGuire story. Yeah, I don't think people have heard your Mark McGuire story, but we, no, we'll, we we'll, told on we'll, we'll get that we'll get that into another time because it'll yeah. take too long. Uh, Sammy Sosa, no, right? No, Sammy Sosa is the same way. Like, you know, the, he has the homers, but that's it. And uh, last, last but definitely least, uh, no more Garcia Parra. No more. That was the we, no, by the way. That was a no. Yeah, I, I, I'm I doing bad killed. puns on this on this podcast, everybody. I, I was. I don't do bad puns. Um, I think no more just just for two reasons. One, when he started uh, when he was pouting in the in the dugout um, against the Yankees, uh, that's that was strike number one. And then when he did his uh, Mia Hamm commercial. Uh, when she retired, and he's like, "Hey, beautiful." It's like, "Come on, bro." <laughs> You're making me say the word "bro," which I hate. I'm like, "Come on, bro." <laughs> hey, beautiful. So uh, that's it. Uh, we did, we well, did well, like six strikes today. We did like a we did like a double. This is like a, a double stuff Oreo. Well, I, I have one more. I have one more strike, but it's going to be real fast. Uh, Scott Boris Day was what today or yesterday? Yesterday. Uh, yeah, Scott Boris, you suck. Okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Jeez. And then one day I squashed him. There we go. Uh, so look that up. Uh, Four Horsemen of Reunion, uh, talking about Arn Anderson. And uh, you're my Arn Anderson, man. That, that's high compliment. You're my. You brought, Arn you brought, you brought the pain today, dude. Good job. I, I try, baby. I try. Uh, but you, you are, you are the wind beneath my wings. You are the Arn Anderson to my Ric Flair. And there's nothing better than that. Okay. I'll talk to you guys later. Hey, 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 hey. What you say? Get this started. Welcome back to the Stew Pod, everybody. You heard Jeff Passan and Bad News Ramen there. Now we're back. Uh, Chris Wick, obviously, here, and Mike Oz joining us once again. So, Mike, how you doing? Actually, Chris, you're the one who's joining us once again. I've, I've been here the entire time. That's true. You have yeah. been here the entire time. Yeah. So I'm back. You're back. And I think it's it's maybe time for some important questions. Importante preguntas. Um, I'll admit mine's pretty lame this week. And I know yours maybe isn't really even a question, so I'm not sure what. But, but this is our just really... this is our just wacky segment of right. talking about weird stuff. Clever banter. Yeah. Uh, well, I so I had Tuesday off this week, and the reason I took Tuesday off was so that I could play video games all day. Um, the new Fallout game came out. I actually haven't played the other ones, but I decided to get this one and play it. And my important question is just simply, what what's the last? I know you have kids and you have a life. So it's maybe harder for you, but what's the last video game that you uh, really got like excited for or, or tried to play through and, and beat? Um, 
the last video game that I was like dead set on like finishing was the um the Super Mario Brothers that came out for Wii, the um New Super Mario World or whatever. I think that's yep. what, no, not New Super Mario World. I think it was just New Super Mario Brothers. The one with like the four players. Yep. Um mainly because I I feel like I know there's a lot of different Mario titles now, but um if there's a side scrolling regular <laughs> Mario thing, like and I don't beat it, then I don't feel complete as a human being. Right, right. So um I had to I had to I had to defeat that game and I did. Um, and I enjoyed answer. it very much. Is that that before you had children? No, no, we had we had one kid at that point. Okay. Yeah. So that so was still, uh, and, so luckily work. my wife also likes to play Mario games. So okay. like she we and that that was like the competitive, you know, the two player cooperative one. So uh like, you know, she, it was it was me and her together. Um I I mean I I beat the I beat the boss though, just for the record. Of me. course. All right, well there you go. I mean that's that's my important question. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that was the last game that I've I've actually tried to beat. Um I think most of the games we play now are a little more just kind of hey, let's goof around and play this and play that. Right, and, right. But also trying to find stuff that we can play either like together like with her or with the kids and uh if I play video games with myself it's generally like Madden or something, you know, or like right. with my friends. I I don't really get too much into uh, you know, the kind of those Fallout, or you know, the kind of games where you could put yourself into hours of it because right. then I just feel like I may never sleep. <laughs> it gets tough. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just my attention span, but it's hard to play for like an hour. Yeah, for you're just me, like, man, I, what am I doing? For me, it's kind of like sports games, or it's you know, kind of like kind of the group social, you know, like those kind of games. Yeah, which we did a lot of like when the Wii first came out. Like I was a big, I was a big Wii. Like yeah, let's all hang out and play Wii bowling or um, you know all those kind of party games. So that was that was those were actually a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, my kids are not at the age where they really do that stuff. So um, this will this will all probably change once kids are playing video games. Um, but you know then then maybe it's like yeah man let's let's go and shoot some stuff. But we are not of that age. All right, fair enough. But uh, it's probably a good transition into my important question, which is sort of an important question, sort of a story, sort of a, just a parent confession. Um, I don't know, just sort of something I felt like I should tell you. Because Chris <laughs> and I, we, we talk, aside from the podcast, we, we sometimes talk about, um, you know, like my, my life with kids. And uh, I tell him many of the things that, that go on in our ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous household sometimes. I have a four-year-old and a, a one-and-a-half-year-old. My four-year-old is... Very headstrong, super into Star Wars, um, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I found yeah, yeah Ninja way. Turtles. A lot of the things you like, he likes. Yeah, seriously. Um, like he would probably play, you know, Fallout Four if I let him. He'd probably be right. into it. Um, so he though made what I think has to be like one of the worst trades <laughs> I, I could ever think of, and uh, nothing to do with sports, but I, I do think in, in the baseball sense we can all appreciate the bad trade. So he, it was a. Uh, I wasn't here for Halloween, of course. I was at the World Series. I came back, and and you know he had kind of slowly been making his way through his Halloween candy. He he's generally like a give him one piece of candy a day, and he'd be okay with it. You know, like he doesn't eat a ton of candy, but um, you know, like at one point, one day he was like freaking out, like wanted a piece, wanted some candy, and I'm like, dude, just just chill out, have some candy later. And uh, he's like, no, 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 I want candy right now. I want this. I want that. And I'm like, no, nah, just just chill out. We're gonna have dinner after dinner. You can have a piece of candy for dessert. 
and he is not he is not down with this idea like not happy not feeling it and so eventually I'm like all right man you want a piece of candy right now here's the trade I'll make you because he loves to make deals like I feel like he's gonna end up being like a stockbroker or something he's all about making <laughs> making trades and making deals and the next AJ Preller maybe <laughs> yeah daddy daddy let's make I got, I got a deal for you and it's always <laughs> most of them just involve him staying up later like you know or, or, or getting a <laughs> right, toy or right. something but uh I was like all right man here, here's the trade I'll offer you I will give you one piece of candy right now and I think he wanted like smarties I think that's what he wanted and I'm like first of all why do you want smarties like nobody right. nobody wants smarties do you like smarties Chris no. No, they're horrible. Um, and that, that's what he wanted. Probably because it has like 15 of them. You know, it's probably like his main his main thing. And I'm like, I'll give you I'll give you that right now. But you don't get any of the rest of your candy. Like all the rest of your candy goes away. All your, your big bucket of Halloween candy all goes in the trash. Oh. And I mean, like how do you how do you even make that trade? There's no way you make that trade, right? Well, I mean, I don't. He, he made the trade. He did. Yeah, he, he made the trade, That's and I felt bad because I'm like, uh, in my head, I'm like, there's no possible way you would make this trade. Like, you, you, you're, you're a pretty smart kid. You wouldn't do that. Ugh. He did it, and I felt bad because I'm like, man, like I, I want you to learn your lesson. Yeah. But I also don't want you to not have your Halloween candy. You know, like I know how much you look forward to Halloween and whatever. So were you like trying to talk him out of it? Yeah, I'm like, nah, man, don't no, do it, you don't do it. <laughs> do this, you're not going to get any more candy. Yeah, like too much. Like honestly, trying to trying to trying to tackle him out of it, and he he went he wanted to stay with it. And like, oh, yeah, fine. And this was part of a whole. We had a whole like meltdown of a day one day, and and he he eventually lost something else that was a really big thing. So I ended up giving him that back, and, and him not getting the Halloween candy and whatever. That's a whole different part of the story. But um, to 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 give it a baseball spin. Like, like, quantify that for me in a baseball sense. Like, how, how, what kind of, what kind of trade did he just make if we were talking about baseball? Like, like, put players in it. Wasn't that like, uh, oh, I'm gonna butcher this trade. You don't have to like pick some old trade. You can just pick players. I was, gonna, like, I was gonna pick an old trade. Oh, do it. Yeah, yeah. If you if you got something, go for it. Oh, but now I'm gonna screw the guy's name up. Is it Larry Alexander or Larry Doyle? Maybe wasn't he? He was in like maybe the Jeff Bagwell deal or something. Jeff Bagwell, borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know. Now I might be making this up. Now let me look it up. Let me uh, let me type. I'm typing, people. Yeah, this is this is gonna make for just an awesome podcast. Right. Jeff Bagwell. Larry Anderson. No, I don't know. I probably screwed the whole thing up. He was traded to the Red Sox traded Jeff Bagwell in 1990 for relief pitcher Larry Anderson. Yeah, that's it. There it is. Yeah. So there you go. Who's Larry Anderson, man? Jeff yeah. Bagwell, borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah. I think Larry Anderson actually had a pretty good career, but just, you know, he didn't turn into Jeff Bagwell after the trade. So. Well, I wasn't going to put you on the spot for like picking out a historic trade, but and I think this could be a different. You could still answer this. Right. Picking current players, like what did he just trade? Like he traded. Um, I mean, he traded like Giancarlo Stanton for, I don't know, Zach Duke. <laughs> that that I think that Rich Hill, Rich Hill for Chill. Bryce Harper. But now, okay, so you just brought up Rich Hill, and now I'm just like infinitely interested by Rich Hill because he somehow had a good year. Yeah, he did. And somebody was saying he might get more guaranteed than Tim Lincecum this <laughs> offseason, which sounds insane. Well, that makes sense. 
But yeah, anyway, Rich Hill, I love that guy. Rich Hill. But yeah, that that's just I mean, I I feel I feel bad for the kid, man, but I don't know. Anyways, I just thought you would appreciate that story, and and I you swindled uh, him. You took advantage of him. <laughs> I didn't though. Like I'm like, come on, man. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do this trade. Uh, man. Yeah, I know. I know. So there's a fun story. I didn't want to IM all that to you, so I figured I'll just put it on the podcast. Who cares? The, the dad life, right there. And if you're listening this deep into the podcast, then obviously you like us, and you uh, probably appreciate that story. That's not a good. That's a bad trade. It's a, it's a very bad trade. I don't, know, I don't know. We should we should go to the winter meetings and ask people about it. We should do it. We should start asking GMs. Like, would you make this trade? See what they have to say. There you go. Yeah. I'm gonna have to talk some sense into your son. Content, man. Let's make some content. <laughs> there it is. All right. This has been the Stewpod. Uh, go and rate and review us on the iTunes. Do we get any more reviews, Chris? Uh, I haven't checked recently, oh, okay. but. I would love to read more reviews. Yeah, give us some more reviews. We're good. We're fun people. We're interesting folks. We are uh, ridiculous sometimes, but we hang out with Jeff Passan, so, you know, that, that True. that's good. And Bad News Ramen's our friend, and he makes a lot of wrestling references, and if you like that sort of thing, then good. We're the Stew Pod. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Hey, hey, hey.